Hello, and welcome to Inventors Helping Inventors. I'm your host, Alan Beckley, inventor of the Wonder Wallet. Every week, I interview successful inventors, asking them the questions you want to know. Tune in to learn from the experts so you can get your invention out of the tank and into the bank. I know when people try to connect with me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or, or what have you, first thing I'll, go, I'll do is go check their profile. And if it doesn't look what I think it should look like, or it doesn't look professional, or the, if it's on Facebook and the person doesn't really pre- present much of a, a profile, I just tend to ignore it. So I, I would tend to feel that People on the other end that I'm trying to contact well, would do the same thing. Uh, rather than try to connect with me, if I, if I didn't look like a professional person, if, if I'm going to tell them I'm a product developer and I didn't present like that, then they would probably not want to connect with me and just, just move on. Hi, Italian Nation. If you listen to episode number 125, you heard me talk about my three passion projects for 2021 one of which is this podcast, Inventors Helping Inventors. I'd like to ask you a small favor. Many of you have reached out to me and told me that this podcast and the information that you get from successful inventors is invaluable to you. If you find this podcast to be a valuable resource that you enjoy listening to every week, I'd like to ask you a small favor, and that is, Just share it with two other inventors. You can tell them two easy ways to connect with the podcast. Just go to alanbeckley.com slash iTunes, and that'll take it directly to the podcast and iTunes. Now, they may have to download iTunes, but it'll take them right there, and they can subscribe and listen to every episode. Or they can also go to alanbeckley.com slash listen, and that will connect them to the latest podcast, and it'll start playing immediately. So please share that with them. And I'd like to ask one other favor, and that is, if you belong to a local inventors group, please share the podcast with them. Describe how they can easily connect to the podcast. You can help me with my long-term bodacious goal with this podcast of reaching one million inventors all over the world with the good news of learning from successful inventors every week. Thanks so much for being a loyal listener to the Inventors Helping Inventors podcast. Hi, HI Nation. It's my firm belief that every inventor should belong to a local inventors group. But I know that many don't. A side effect of COVID-19 is you don't have to go to meet directly with somebody in a particular city, you can actually belong to an inventors group anywhere in the world because inventors groups are connecting via Zoom meeting. So if you don't have an inventor's home right now, an inventors group you belong to, I would like to offer you Connect with ours. It's called Texas Inventors, and it's located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but you can easily connect to it via Zoom meeting. Our meetings are typically Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time and most typically the second Tuesday of the month, but not always. 
but our meetings are on the website txinventors.com and would love to have you join our meeting. It's a grand total of $30 and the first meeting is free. So if you don't have an inventor's home, a club that you belong to now, we would love for you to join us at Texas Inventors. Again, just go to www.txinventors.com. If for any reason you have trouble finding the schedule, you can always reach out to me at alan at alanbeckley.com. And I hope to see you in our next Inventors meeting. IHI Nation, if you're like most inventors, I'll bet you have questions like, why is it important to be patent pending? Or, I've got a prototype, but now what? Or perhaps, how do I craft my pitch so they'll actually listen to me? Or, I spent so much money on my invention, but how can I finally make some money? If you have questions like these and more, I've got some good news. You can come to my next totally free live webinar for inventors called How to License Your Invention for Royalties. All you need to do to attend is just go to alanbeckley.com slash license. That's A-L-A-N-B-E-C-K-L-E-Y dot com slash license. All you need to attend is your cell phone, desktop, laptop, other computer. You just connect with a Zoom meeting link and you're in to attend. So again, how do you sign up for the next one? Just go to www.allenbeckley.com slash license and I look forward to meeting you at the next live webinar, How to License Your Invention for Royalties. Welcome to episode number 127. Today, I interview, once again, George Burkhart. George Burkhart grew up on a farm and still lives on the same family farm where he raises cattle and grows grass for hay. He has a small machine shop that he uses to keep the farm going and to build and test prototypes. He received a master's degree of science in engineering and worked as a civilian mechanical engineer for the Air Force, where he subsequently retired. While employed by the Air Force, he ran an engineering lab where he was responsible for developing non-destructive testing procedures, techniques and equipment to detect small critical defects in crucial Air Force components to ensure the flight safety and reliability of associated aircraft and engines. George started inventing at an early age because that was required to keep the farm going. But after retirement, he got serious about inventing to supplement his retirement. Now he has more than eight utility patents, more pending, and multiple patents licensed. Though retired from the Air Force, he is still very active as an inventor with multiple products in the works. He also actively helps other inventors as well. You'll want to listen to this entire interview because towards the end, George shares with us some of the challenges he's faced in working as a liaison between his current licensee and the Chinese manufacturer. Also, you'll want to learn why George thinks inventors should invent into what he calls a dead art. 
And finally, you'll find out some market segments that George has found to be very productive. Now, let's get right to our interview with George Burkhart. George Burkhart, it's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast with us once again. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate the uh, invite and I appreciate you uh, wanting to have me back again. You bet. And, and for our listeners, George, you've invented a variety of items in lawn and garden, automotive, and pet segments. For our newer listeners, I originally interviewed you way back in February of 2019. You were in episode number seven. In that episode, you shared with our listeners the story about how you grew up on a farm and began inventing in your youth as inventions were often required to keep the farm going. You received a master's of science degree in engineering and worked as a civilian mechanical engineer for the Air Force for many years before retirement. You returned to farming in retirement where you raise cattle, grow grass for hay, and develop inventions to supplement your retirement. For those who missed the first episode, you may wish to pause this episode then go back and listen to number seven to get all the details. Besides dealing with a global pandemic since we spoke last, what has happened with your business during the last two years or so since we talked before? Well, as you said, you have to deal with the pandemic, which is a, a problem in a way. I mean, it's, it's got some bad aspects, but it also has some good aspects. The good aspects being more people know how to use Zoom now, webinars. It's easier for, for us to get one-on-one -on, -one on a face-to-face -face type Zoom meeting. We didn't really use it, use it that much before COVID, but COVID kind of forced us into that. So that's one good thing that's, uh, that I think is, is good. On the other hand, it's harder to get into companies, especially the upper management area, because people are working at home. And I've had several instances where I actually got a hold of, of one of the upper management people, you know, that I wanted to get a hold of, but they said, well, I, I, I really can't do anything. You know, all my data, all my information, everything, you know, is at work. I'm working at home. So call me when the COVID is over. So that's a bad thing. But anyway, you just deal with it and, and move on. Yeah, you just deal with it the best you can. And take where the good aspects out of it and just try to deal with the ones that, that aren't so great. One, one thing about the, the COVID that forced me to, to make a change since it was, I was having a harder time getting uh, uh, the ability to talk to upper management people at manufacturers and uh, retailers, as I mentioned, so one of the workarounds was to use LinkedIn more. So I went in and I, I had the, you know, a LinkedIn page, a profile, but it wasn't all that great. And so I'm going to tell people that I'm a product developer, then I need to act like one. I need to present as one. So I went in and upgraded my LinkedIn page so it would look more professional and actually look like I am a, a product developer. So now... I've been using uh, LinkedIn more, trying to make connections and send messages and so on. So that was uh, one workaround that I have accomplished uh, as a result of the COVID situation. Well, you make a great point for our listeners, George. 
And that is, once again, you addressed a challenge by looking at how can I pivot, as they like to say, and, and you recognize a couple of things. But one of them is that LinkedIn is a great resource for finding people in a professional way because people use it for their career. And that can be both a way to find people by titles within a company, but also you reworked your own LinkedIn profile to make it a little bit more professional on the assumption that they're going to go look you up and say, well, who is this guy? And so, you know, you saw a dual benefit there. Would you? That is correct, because I know when people try to connect with me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or, or what have you, first thing I'll, go, I'll do is go check their profile. And if it doesn't look what I think it should look like, or it doesn't look professional, or if it's on Facebook and person doesn't really pre present much of a, a profile, I just tend to ignore it. So I, I would tend to feel that people on the other end that I'm trying to contact well, would do the same thing. Uh, rather than try to connect with me, if I, if I didn't look like a professional person, if, if I'm going to tell them I'm a product developer and I didn't present like that, then they would probably not want to connect with me and just, just move on. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. So it just seems like it's great advice. And I seem to recall, I believe Stephen Key's latest book has to do with all about using LinkedIn as an inventor in terms of contacting people and using it as a, just a resource in many different ways. Yes, I actually ordered that book and I, I read a good part of it. I used some of the principles there that he presented in the book. I think it would be good for other product developers or other uh, inventors to uh, get that book and and read about and learn all of the good aspects with respect to getting a hold of people online as opposed to making cold calls. However, I do think though that in my experience, cold calls in a, in a situation of the pandemic situation we're in, I, I tend to think that maybe cold calls still might be better because you actually get somebody on the phone and it's more of a, a personal thing than trying to connect with somebody on LinkedIn that doesn't really uh, know you. No, I think uh, you make yet another good point there. And, and I'm a big believer in this as well. And that is even in our high tech society these days, high touch is also important. And LinkedIn can be a great tool in a variety of different ways but the old-fashioned cold call or calling people on the phone that some people feel like the phone weighs 800 pounds when they try to do that is actually pretty effective still because you have really a variety of more things that you can do when you contact somebody. You can say, oh, well, I've got a new product that could be a fine addition to your line of X. Who, you know, who in your company would be a good person to get in touch with? or what is the best way to get in touch with them. And you can, you can make it up as you go along in such a way that it's a little bit more difficult if you're just sending an email to someone, they don't know you and you don't know them very well. So would you agree that's true? Yes, because if you get somebody on the phone, now you may have to try several times. I mean, you may have to call, uh, you're looking for Mr. Smith at a big company and they, they normally put you into their, their voicemail. But I don't, leave a voice message I just hang up and then because they're probably not going to call you back 
which is the same thing with respect to LinkedIn. You know, I mean, you send a connect to, to them and they can just, just not respond. So anyways, so, you know, I, I don't uh, leave a, a voicemail. I just wait a day or so and, and call back again and, and keep doing that. And eventually, you know, you'll get a hold of them. But once you get a hold of, of the person, it's harder for them to tell you no. I mean, it's harder for them to be negative, at least at first, uh, until they see your, your product or whatever. I mean, of course, you're telling them the benefits and, and so on, but it's, it's just harder for them to, to, to be, tell you no, or I'm not interested or whatever, as it is, as opposed to LinkedIn, where it's, it's hard to make the first connection. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. I think you make a particularly good point, and that is via LinkedIn or any kind of online format, very easy to have the standard letter that just says, thank you so much for reaching out to us, however, X, fill in the blank. Whereas when you're talking to someone, as you just described, and you're presenting yourself in a professional way, which, which is very important, then they're normally going to be positive and receptive, at least to hear what it is you have to say. And that that gives you it's a good first impression all the way around. And then from there, once they've looked at your product, then it's we'll see where it goes from there. So I, I agree with that as well. So I wanted to switch gears just a bit. But when we talked almost two years ago, at that time, you had eight utility patents with two pending and several patents issued. And I know that you've added to that since then. Can you share with our audience what you've been developing lately what is your latest invention if you can share that with us one of the things one of the inventions that i mentioned that it was patent pending is still patent pending but back when we talked back then it was patent pending via a provisional patent application now it's, it's patent pending as a utility patent application i've been back and forth with the patent examiner on what uh, is called office actions to uh, work out some details related to the claims and so as i say i don't i don't have a patent on it yet but i think that i have enough material as a, as related to the prior art that the patent examiner found for for me to uh, to get a patent it just kind of takes time going back and forth but i i think that things will will work out uh, well with respect to that particular invention, I licensed originally via provisional patent application to this to this company. Uh, the invention is a new type of retractable leash for pets, particularly dogs. Let, let me go back and say that the conventional retractable leashes, once you set the brake to keep the leash from further extending, the leash will not retract and then for therefore what happens is the leash becomes limp and it, it lies on the ground and the dog steps on it and gets tangled up and creates a problem other people when the leash gets loose or limp they'll tend to pick it up with their other hand and then when the dog takes off they've had several instances of people having their fingers pulled off of that so anyway that's the problem uh, so the solution then is to make a a simple leash that such that when you set the brake on to keep the the pet from going further than a further distance 
it always retracts. And if it retracts, then it keeps the line uh, taut and off the ground and keeps the dog or the animal or pet or whatever from becoming tangled up. So, so as I said, I license that to a fairly big uh, pet uh, manufacturer here in the US. And they have a factory in China. And so uh, typically what's happened is Milo had a prototype and I sent it to the licensee and the licensee then in turn sent it to China. And then of course China, they, they look at my prototype and make their, their prototype and they send it back to the licensee here in the US, they send it back to me and I have to make uh, changes and uh, so on and so forth. But I, I can't respond back to the Chinese factory because of the language barrier. So therefore I have to make little drawings and pictures and it's gotta be more pictorial and very, very few words, which is, it's not as efficient, but I mean, that's just the way, the way it is. So we've been going back and forth over about a year, I guess, and we're, we're getting there. We're the last prototype that they sent works, uh, you know, fairly well, but it needs further improvements before we go, before we start thinking about production. So anyway, I've been, uh, you know, working a lot in, in that, on that particular invention. And then I have another product that I uh, that is patented, and I license that to a U.S. company. And this particular invention helps people get into the bed of a pickup truck much easier, as opposed to the conventional way of trying to grip onto the side of the bed and use one leg to to lift you up in the bed, uh, which is really kind of problematic to, to do that laborious. So anyway, this particular, uh, I call it a grab handle. It, it allows you to use both hands and your leg to pull you up in the bed. Plus it keeps you stable as you're lifting yourself you know, into the bed. And back when we talked a couple of years ago, that, that product was, is, was licensed. And so then what, what's happened in the last couple of years some of the pickup truck manufacturers have changed their, their body style a little bit, which impacted a little bit on the design of my grab handle. And so I had to go back and redesign it so it's compatible with the, the new designs. And so the licensee is in the process now of making the changes to the actual grab handle and then making the corresponding changes to his online marketing program, such as changing the, the appearance of it where he has the product uh, listed as like online at Walmart, online at Target, online at a number of different uh, truck accessory suppliers, also on uh, tractor supply. And so he's had to go in and, and change the design online so that it appears like it should. So that's basically what, what I've been doing in the last couple of years. I have another product that I have ready to go when I turn in a provisional application. Since I do my own patents, the provisional application basically looks like it has all the information in it that you would put in a utility patent application. 
but I turned it in as a, as a provisional to start with. So I've got all that ready to go. I've got the sell sheet ready. I've got the, the companies that I want to call. So I'm, I'm getting ready to push that, but I want to get this uh, dog leash uh, established better before I, I don't want to have too many irons in the fire. So um, this, this particular product that allows you to hang more clothes in a, on a closet rod in a closet. And so what, I, what I'm trying to do is to work my way into a broader market, potentially a market where it would be a, a viable product for a woman to use in, in the home because that generally tends to, see, to be where the mass market is. The pet industry is also a fairly viable hot market, and so we'll see what happens on the on the dog leash. But I'm trying to get more oriented towards inventions that that a woman would buy for for the home. That makes great sense, and I just like to highlight a couple of key points that you made for our listeners. One of them is, like a few of others of us, you've become, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a Chinese liaison for your one particular product and working with the, the manufacturers in China. And I had certainly experience with that in my product when I was manufacturing in China. And, and for our listeners, a key thing to recall and to take out of that, which you highlighted, is when you communicate with them, obviously English is their second language, not their first. So a couple of key things is having diagrams with specific dimensions in centimeters, for example, the metric system because they don't use inches and feet they use centimeters and millimeters etc and it took me a while to figure this out in an email there should be only one subject short and sweet and to the point if there's three things to address with them you need to send them three separate emails because i took me a while to discover that they weren't looking at items two and three they just weren't getting to them so i'd send them three different emails sometimes in one day with three different titles and that seemed to work. But it is a challenge that you have when you're dealing with the Chinese and, and that you, you can't really make an assumption. One of my early wallet prototypes came back perfectly, except that it didn't have a billfold section. It just had a flat plate there because I hadn't specifically said you have to have an opening opening to put cash in there. So anyways, but that's that's, as you know, and you, you and I have chatted about this, the, the fun and challenge of working with, with uh, Chinese manufacturers. But also, I, I like the fact that, as you described, there are products that you're working on that uh, the product can change, depending on what happens. This example, when pickup trucks change a little bit and they change the way the beds are configured and some other things, that can make you have to make some changes to a product that you've already got out there. So you have to be you know, to prepare to make changes as, as that's necessary. So I really appreciate you bringing those points up. Another thing that you and I chatted about that I wanted to bring up for our listeners, you mentioned to me that you feel inventors should choose to invent into what you call a dead art. Can you explain for our listeners what you mean by that? And also, do you feel that inventing high-tech items could be a bit risky? With respect to a dead art, Typically, there's two areas of art, which is something that you can be creative about, like, um, drawing a, a painting or drawing a picture or whatever. I mean, that's being creative, but that also applies to inventions because that's 
basically creating products. And so that's why the patent office calls that art. But prior art means that that's in inventions that have been created in the past. Okay, so that's that's why they call that prior art. Because really, it's an art, it's not science. So when I say uh, it, it's best to, in my opinion, to create an invention in what I call a dead art, to me, that that's basically saying that a dead art is an area in which technology has passed on and they've left all these holes for inventors to fill. For instance, the drain plug tool that I invented that allows you to remotely remove a drain plug out of an engine when changing oil, that technology, uh, maybe when cars were invented in the late 1800s or whatever, well, I mean, there were probably some thought about how can I remove these drain plugs remotely uh, as opposed to by hand. So that just sat there for all these years and nobody did anything about it until finally I said that, well, uh, there's a problem here that needs to be solved. Nobody else has solved it. The technology has passed on. And so I went about to trying to solve the problem. The, the deal with a dead art, basically it's, it's kind of a, like a dead technology. It's, it's nobody's thinking about it. They're not really, well, well the, all these, there's all these problems and all these holes to be filled, but nobody's really thinking about it because it's basically dead. Maybe it doesn't seem uh, glamorous, but there's all these holes there, like I say, that need to be filled and technology has moved on. So with respect to inventing, in, in my opinion, you shouldn't invent in, in, a, in an art that's a high tech, which is directly opposed to a dead art is because everybody is thinking about trying to invent in that area. For instance, the, the cell phone. I mean, everybody is, is in trying to think of some way to hold a cell phone, some way to come up with a better case to put it on. Now, you know, with the COVID virus, everybody's thinking about coming up with a better mask or a better, some way to help you with the coronavirus. And so the competition is extremely great because everybody's thinking about it. The other problem is when you invent in, a, in an area that's not a dead art is the fact that when you invent in a high-tech area, like I say, there's a lot of competition because everybody's thinking about it. But on the other hand, you can't really do a patent search. The, the patents hadn't issued yet or the, they haven't been applied for, you know, or maybe somebody had just submitted a provisional application, which you can't really search. So, so there's really no way for you to do any kind of a, a search, a prior art search, or even do a product search because the, the stuff is still in the minds of people. It's still, you know, uh, the products are not necessarily out. They may have a provisional patent application in place, but you, you can't do any, I mean, you can't research it. So the situation is when you're in a high-tech area, uh, you, you there's a lot of competition. There's no way to determine if somebody has thought of this particular invention before you. 
or you can't really do searches. So that's another reason why I don't like try to invent in in a high tech area as I try to invent in what I call a dead art because there's uh, all different type of avenues where you can do research to see if, if your, your idea, your invention exists, uh, patent searches, product searches. I mean, all that stuff is out there because the, the art is, is dead. And as I say, the competition is minimal because people are not thinking about solving problems in that area anymore. So you make a really good point, I guess, one way is, is you were explaining that and I was thinking through it. I was thinking like in a dead art, relatively speaking, almost 100% of whatever's there is already patented out there where you can research it extensively and know what you would be competing against. So then you can find the holes as you described, whereas in a high technology or something that's evolving, such as anything connected with cell phones, there, the relative percentage of settled, you know, that are things that are already patented and out there that you could research versus what you don't know about because there's no patents issued, there's no patent pendings that you can see, there could be provisional patents you can't see. It's sort of like maybe 80% of what's going on is not visible to you, right? And so there's a fairly high risk with doing that because you just don't really know what you're competing against. And plus, you're competing in an area that's already just full of all sorts of things going on where your chance of success, in my opinion, are somewhat lower. Well, George, as we wind to a close here, I'd like to finish by asking you, um, how can our listeners reach you if they have other questions? Well, I don't mind them calling me. My phone number is 210-240-5011. Or they can send me an email at GW Burkhart, and that's spelled B-U-R-K-H-A-R, D as in David, T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Well, that's perfect. So they can reach you either at your phone number as you described, 210-240-5011, or again, at your email, gwburkhart at gmail.com. I mean, you spelled it out so well, I don't think I need to do that again. But I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing more of your journey and your, you know, ahas and your challenges that you've met along the way with our audience today. And just really appreciate you taking some time to be on the podcast with us today. So thanks a lot. Well, Ellen, I appreciate you uh, wanting to, to have me on again. And it's, it's an honor. You thought enough about what I, the information I gave you in the first uh, interview to uh, want me on again. So that, that's something that, well, as I said, it's kind of an honor that you would invite me again. Well, thanks again and enjoy talking to you today. All right, Steve. Right, take care. What do professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and actors all have in common? They all hire and benefit from professional coaches to help them hone their skills to the highest level. Guess what? Inventors can do the same. Hire somebody who's a professional coach to help you to take your invention, your product, your journey to the next level. I am now offering to IHI listeners 30 minutes of free coaching to help you take your skill sets to the next level. I've coached quite a few clients, and one of the things that I found is 
I typically see where you are, where you want to go, and then I'm able to guide you in the direction that will help you to get there. In the process, I've saved some inventors thousands of dollars and definitely kept them out of the weeds. If this sounds interesting to you, all you have to do to sign up with me for 30 minutes of free coaching is just send me an email at alan at alanbeckley.com. That's A-L-A-N at alanbeckley.com. And then in the subject line, put 30 minutes of free coaching and we'll get you scheduled. Thanks so much for tuning in to Inventors Helping Inventors. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you won't miss a single episode. Talk to you soon.